It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. So we say, we always say the Black Panther Party, that they can do anything they want to do. We might not be back. I might be in jail. I might be anywhere. But when I leave, you remember I said, with the last words on my lips, I am a revolutionary. Revolution comes with a price tag. You were slave to a flag in a country that clearly doesn't love you when they probably never have told you turn the other cheek. And they made it with a bad fucking protest in them sit-ins. Told you go fight in the war. Vietnam, die good riddance. The man of the house rule took you from your siblings. Turned around a pump crack right up in your city. And they just turned all your leaders to martyrs. You was off in the war. Now who was guarding your daughters? It was riots in the streets. Killed Malcolm and Martin. Called the National Guard up because we ride with our guard up. And that was burning your guard. It's like in the mimic on the plot. To you, everything that they taught you was a lie to you. See, they scared of your skin and they dying to shoot. Take the American dream and then you die to pursue. One day it'll all make sense. If it ain't about power, then it don't make sense. But none of that money matters when you live in madness. So one day you figure out that all you got is this. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Peace, love, and the middle finger. For those of you who don't know the pain Good afternoon and welcome to Black Talk Radio News My name is Scotty Reed Broadcasting from behind these enemy lines Known as USA Inc Today's date is 8-28-2015 August the 28th, 2015 It's a Friday afternoon Man, it is uh, still hot here in North Carolina As I imagine uh, it is across the rest of the nation. Uh, by the way, if you missed our program uh, yesterday with uh, Sister Ajali, you need to check out that program on the radiation that is hitting the West Coast as a result of the Fukushima nuclear disaster, which happened in Japan in 2011. Um, I felt like that's a very important show that also has some solutions, you know, not only warning you about what you need to know about that radiation uh, that's hitting the West Coast, but how to solve um, any problems with radiation poisoning, you know, take preventive measures. Don't wait till you get sick. But I just want to um, say that I hope people uh, listen to that program and share it with others. I felt like the information she had to share was very important. Uh, today, we do have a guest joining us. We will be speaking with Mr. Delane Williams, who is a representative of BuyBlack365.com, which is a web portal to help find black-owned businesses. Now, you know, that's something that we have been talking about for a very, very, very long time, decades, if not hundreds, a uh, uh, hundred years or more uh, about us supporting 
black businesses. And so this web portal, I had an opportunity to check it out. Um, it's supposed to help you to easily find black owned businesses in a number of different services and products. But we'll get the details once we talk to Mr. Uh, Delane. Williams. Uh, after the interview, we can have an open forum. Anything that you want to discuss, any news that you would like to share. I uh, also want to do a review of the news stories of the week. But one of the things I most definitely want to talk about is Tremaine Wilburn. Tremaine Wilburn is the black male in Memphis, Tennessee, who was um, allegedly shot and killed. Memphis police officer Sean Bolton. Uh, Tremaine Wilburn says that he did that in self-defense after the officer was manhandling him on the street. So I, there was uh, something that went down yesterday that uh, it seems to be some shenanigans going on. And uh, so we want to talk about that. Um, I do think we had our caller. They might have hung up. Uh, Erico 817, do we got you on the line? All right. I think that person hung up. Uh, but. 817, do we have you on the line? Yes, sir, Mr. Damon. Oh, Mr. Williams, Mr. Williams, thank you for joining us. Are you welcome? Yeah, let me just uh, wrap up uh, my commentary to let the listeners know. Um, yeah, there were some fireworks that went on in the court yesterday in Memphis, again, pertaining to Trayvon Wilburn's case. And although he has a public defender, which is something that I, you know, was worried about in order for him to get a competent defense, this his attorney, his public defender seems to be very aggressive and is really, you know, trying to, it seems to me, to the best of her ability to, uh, you know, provide a competent defense for him. So we'll talk about those details after we get through uh, speaking about black by black 365.com. And we have uh, one of the representatives on the line, Mr. Delane Williams. Again, thank you for joining us today, sir. And um, can you just as before we talk about by black 365.com specifically, uh, can you educate the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, you know, just so we can know who you are as a man as much as you would like to share? Oh, yes. Not a problem. I'm originally from Pritchard, Alabama. That's a small community inside of Mobile County, just north of the city of Mobile. Um, I'm a entrepreneur software engineer by trade, actually. I went to the University of Alabama where I received a computer science uh, degree in engineering. And I've been a web developer, uh, software engineer for the past 10 years just working in the IT field. Um, I'm also a strong advocate for, for black businesses. Um, as an entrepreneur, I started early. I uh, started selling blow pops and candy when I was in middle school and cutting yards and stuff like that. And then I eventually transitioned to, to DJing, um, promoting events, and also doing consulting and things like that at this point, uh, consulting and getting into real estate as well. Uh, but these are the things that uh, that's just about me personally. Uh, I serve on a couple of boards in the city uh, and with some of different, different organizations that also allow me to advocate for uh, entrepreneurship within the, the community and also education in general. Uh, I think those two things are the most valuable things that we can have uh, from, from a black agenda. On the topic of um, entrepreneurialism, 
Um, what are some of the challenges? Because, I mean, I was thinking about that today, and obviously, I mean, we do support black businesses. We've over the years have done another number of programs, you know, focusing on the need to support black businesses, but also start them um, as well. Um, but when we're talking about black people, because we live under a system of racism and white supremacy, um, you know, redlining has been a problem. Access to capital has been a problem. So what are some of the challenges that you have identified, you know, that uh, black entrepreneurs face when they try to, you know, start a business? And what are some of the solutions to those challenges? Okay. And, I, and there's so many challenges. Be honest, uh, I'll just highlight a few of them, and you touched on um, one of the big challenges that we have, uh, access to capital, redlining within our community. Um, there's, I think, at this point, 19 black-owned banks in the nation. Um, when, when there's that few black-owned banks, then we have to look at outside sources to help capitalize our funding from a traditional uh, capitalization standpoint. If you're going, most individuals in, in the majority community are able to go to banks and, and help finance their deals uh, for, from a business standpoint, but we don't always get that chance because of the redlining. Uh, even from an SBA standpoint, there was an article that came out last uh, October. When you say SBA, that, you're talking about the Small Business Administration? Absolutely. Sorry. Uh, that Small Business Administration they, that showed uh, a large disparity uh, in regards to blacks receiving loans. Um, and a lot of times it, it, it's not just because we don't have the credit or we don't have the idea. It, it comes down to, you know what, we are black. Um, and that's been the case even with individuals getting jobs. Um, so that's one of the, the major issues that we encounter, uh, the lack of access to capital. Um, even in the IT standpoint, we can't just go out to Silicon Valley and pitch ideas to get startup capital as other, uh, businesses can. So we have to rely on our own ability to bootstrap our projects, uh, raise funds from family and friends, mm -hmm. or go to credit cards. Um, so those are the strategies that we have to start to utilize. Uh, and some people are starting to use more GoFundMe pages, uh, 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 streams, uh, and methods such as that to, to kind of self-start or bootstrap their projects, which has seemed to be successful as well. But that does take energy and a time and a solid plan to pitch it to, to the community uh, from that standpoint. Another, uh, I think, thing that we have to try to overcome is a lack of self-confidence. Um, and I know that that's something that Marcus Garvey talked about a lot, is self-confidence. Right now, the black community is beat up in all aspects and areas of life, uh, financially, economically, socially. Uh, and psychologically, right now, we, we don't see ourselves as great business owners and great uh, business enterprises a lot of times, but we have to start to develop that type of mindset and educate mm -hmm. our children to really consider themselves as being more competitive uh, when it comes to dealing with business. Uh, even if we're not going to be business owners, we need to start to instill those concepts in our children, our family, and our friends that are out there. We have to have that social support and that psychological support. I think that's one of the, the three um, uh, most things that mm -hmm. kind of contribute to us not being able to transition into business ownership on a, a large scale. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I wanted to speak to, you know, you, you mentioned about the psychological aspect and we don't see ourselves as, as being successful. 
in business, but you know, I got a subscription to Black Enterprise, and so you know, I'm not. Well, yes, I am. I'm promoting that magazine, and I think that that, <laughs> you know, I, I think that you know that will help solve that problem because it highlights black business owners and and you know uh, talks about business in general. So I would suggest to people um, to you know uh, get a copy, get a subscription to Black Enterprise, um, you know, in your home, and and so your children can see it. I agree a thousand percent with that. That's something I do. I've been subscribing for uh, the Black Enterprise for probably 10 or 15 years, if not more, um, because that does give you that momentum and motivation. A lot of times, it's hard for you to be something that you're not seeing being done. And when you go into our communities, we very rarely own any business in our communities. So we have to kind of get our momentum going, even if it's in another community or another state, to see some successful black businesses out there. So getting exposure to, to Black Enterprise um, or other avenues, media, uh, that show a positive light about businesses doing well and being competitive in the market space. I think those are uh, things that we definitely have to do and, and encourage our business owners to do and, and inspire and entrepreneurs to do as well. Um, one of the other things I think is a factor to us not being able to get into the business like we need is knowledge base, uh, the intellectual capital. Yeah, we may have a great idea or be able to cook a, a, a beautiful cake or, or, or cut a great yard. But a lot of times we may not have some of the administration knowledge, um, whether that's filing paperwork, doing taxes, um, a lot of those other administration things that we need to be able to do marketing. Um, for example, those are the things I think we have to either get someone else on our team uh, to assist us with that. Or, or, or hire someone as a consultant to do that. All we have to get our own information. And I think that's always the, the big one is being able to get your own information and learn, go to the seminars, go to the training to get exposed to the technology that can allow you to streamline some of those things, uh, mm -hmm. some of your shortcomings when it comes to the knowledge base. Before I forget, um, every time I bring on a guest and I talk about, you know, black businesses and supporting black businesses, but um, we had on a prior guest, um, the website is culturalgrassroots.com, culturalgrassroots.com. And what it is right now is a, um, it's just a portal um, for black crowd uh, funding. Um, we have discussed with Mr. Adams, who is the operator of the uh, website, and, and they're in the stage where they're just trying to collect 50,000 email registrations and, you know, to build that base and then build the database to where people can, you know, put projects out there. And then, you know, people that are a part of this black crowdfunding site uh, would be able to invest in those businesses. And I'm not sure, you know, because this is fairly new. I think he just launched it uh, this year. Well, actually, he, yeah, I think he just recently launched it, but it's still in that stage of trying to build up you know, uh, 50,000 people who would be interested in investing in crowdfunding black businesses. So I'm not sure if you had ever heard of culturalgrassroots.com, but I just wanted to make you aware of that. No, I think, thank you for making me aware. I know of one other um, uh, crowdfunding that kind of gives towards black businesses. I think it's BBnomics. I'm not 100% sure, but there are a couple of uh, of those out there, and I always say it needs to be more. 
Whichever ones that we can get behind and support, if that's one, two, or three, I think that's always a great idea, even from my standpoint. Yeah, there are other black business directories, but we need to be competitive in trying to build a, a nice, solid foundation uh, mm-hmm. with, with the black business directories as well. And that's kind of where I'm at with my phase as well. We're in a beta phase, really more alpha stage. We're, we're getting that database built before we turn on the application. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you wouldn't want individuals to get on uh, the crowdfunding site and there's not any investors out there. Um, same way with black businesses. I wouldn't want people to come to the site of driving traffic, but there's not enough businesses on there. So we want to make sure we get a good sampling of black-owned businesses on the site. So if any of your listeners are black-owned businesses, they can go to the site, register, it's completely free. Um, and then they can also subscribe to our email list, uh, list as we're promoting events, trying to educate the community on the power of the black dollar and also educating and encouraging individuals to consider black entrepreneurship, whether that's on a full-time basis or a part-time basis. Mm-hmm. Let, let me give you another um, resource that can help you with that in, in promoting events, you know, and, and I do agree uh, competition can be healthy because it drives you to be your best and, you know, to produce the best products and whatnot. Uh, so there, you know, I, I agree with you. We do need we do need more than one black crowdfunding um, uh, platform. But there is another one called there's another database um, I just got through talking to Mr. Uh, Jimmy Davis the other day, Davies the other day, but that is everyblackevents.com, everyblackevent.com, and it's totally free. You can post your uh, upcoming events, and and you know people can search um, everyblackevent.com for any events in their own cities or in their own states or wherever they may may be so that you know I'm, i think that may be a resource uh that y'all could use as well absolutely yeah i'll, I'll definitely be reaching out to that. <laughs> now you you mentioned that um by black 365.com is uh you said it's in a what beta stage where you're just collecting you know asking people who black business owners to register Yes, that's where we're at now. Uh, we we do have development going on currently, and that's being tested to uh, ensure that everything, the functionality is there mm-hmm. as we desire. But the main part now is getting the businesses uh, across the nation, really across the world. I've had communication uh, with individuals in the U.K. and also uh, in some of the Caribbean islands as well because they see the value and the need for such applications even in their areas because they're suffering under uh, white supremacy and global racism uh, as well. Oh, most certainly it's a global system, and the, the struggle of black people is global. Um, no matter what nationality we go under or, you know, uh, tribal identifications and whatnot, you know, the struggle is real and it's global. Um, so once once you collect well let me ask you this how far are you um in ter- how far along are you in terms of uh register registers people registering their Registered? businesses yeah uh, uh we have about 15,000 businesses at this point. wow that's, that's good spread out you know that's that's a little bit of everywhere we have about 15,000 um so i want to be able to turn that on here in the very near future Mm-hmm. Uh, even with the ones we have, I know some development things we want to test and ensure, but we're also just kind of pushing for more businesses to to uh, 
um, to register and sign up. Uh, and, and it really doesn't matter the size of the business either. Even if you're operating out of your house or a part-time business, we just want your business on the directory, almost like the idea behind every black event. The thing is, is if you have more black businesses on the directory, you get a chance to see who all exists in the neighborhood and in your community. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we be next door to a business owner and we have no idea. Right, right. You know, and, and like in terms of where I live, I live in a, a, a rural area. And, you know, the black, there are black businesses, but they're not highly visible. Of course, you know, every black community has a barbershop and a beauty shop. But, um, mm-hmm. in terms of like black lawn services, black plumbers, black electricians, you know, black owned businesses that provide those type of services, you know, there is not really a way that we can identify these businesses except for through word of mouth. You know, like we had to get another water heater. So I called my uncle and I was like, you know, I need, you know, to uh, some help with getting this water heater in here and whatnot. Can you recommend anybody? And he recommended, you know, a black plumber uh, that was able to do that job. So, again, you know, these type of portals are much needed because it can be a challenge trying to track down black businesses where you are. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you gave a great example. Uh, with some of those businesses, they may not always have uh, the budget and the funding to develop a website. Mm-hmm. So with our service, they can get on there for free and be accessible uh, no matter their level. And sometimes you may only have one or two businesses in your area, but at least you can call. If, if that plumber was unavailable, you can give another plumber a call before we go outside of our community. And that's the beauty of having a list like that that gives you a, a full comprehensive directory as much as possible of, uh, of black businesses uh, that's in your area that's able to supply your needs and, and fulfill whatever services you need. All right. Well, um, as we get ready to close out this segment, is there any final thoughts that you would like to share with the listeners? Uh, any, uh, again, we want to encourage them to go to buyblack365.com. Again, we're talking about black business owners is still in, the, in that stage of, uh, just building up the list of black, black businesses. So we have linked to that buyblack365.com. If you're a black business owner, Please register. Um, is there any final thoughts or, or anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, there's a few things I would say. We do have an active Facebook and Twitter page, so they can always like and join us on there. They can subscribe to our email list. You go to the site, there is a subscribe button. Even if you don't have a business and you just want to support and get more information, we're also trying to educate our consumer base. Um, the black okay. consumer, not just black businesses with, with what we're doing uh, and that's why I put education in such a high priority is to try to teach our black dollars some sense as far as you know, who we're spending our dollars with, how does that circulate in our community. A lot of the people don't support black businesses because they don't see a value in for black businesses. So not only are we trying to create a directory, but we're trying to educate our black consumers and black businesses that it's important to circulate the dollar within the black community as much as possible. Right now, it's estimated that it stays in the black community less than six dollars, and I would say that's primarily due to because we don't have any black banks in most of the cities where our black people are. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to be able to start banking with black banks, whether that's online or offline, um, and, and letting our dollar circulate into our community. 
Uh, the other point I would like to make is you're in Dallas, Fort Worth area. Uh, uh, you're in Texas and you, you're willing to come up to Dallas, Fort Worth. We're going to have a great weekend this weekend. We're calling the Black Economic Empowerment Weekend. We'll be at a black owned bookstore, the Dallas Bookshop. And on Friday, we're going to be reviewing the movie, uh, Resurrecting Black Wall Street by Dr. Boris Watson. And on Saturday at 7 a.m., that's Friday at 7 p.m., um, that's today at 7 p.m. And on, uh, Saturday at 7 a.m., we're going to be reviewing the documentary 7 a.m. by, uh, Professor Black. And on Sunday, we're going to be reviewing, uh, Generation One, uh, by Lamar and Ronnie Tyler, uh, which is also, all three of those are great documentaries dealing with economics and finance on different levels, uh, personal, business, also, uh, of a black community that's able to circulate their dollars in Black Wall Street. I don't know how many of you listeners, I'm sure you let them know about Black Wall Street, but we're getting a blueprint on how to rebuild a Black Wall Street uh, by Dr. Boris Watson in his dollars um, in his documentary. Uh, so we'll be having a, a, a screening of those films and having discussions on those films. Um, and so that's something I wanted to make sure that I let your listeners know. And they can go out and support these documentaries. These are very well put together documentaries uh, that, that talk about a lot of issues that we're supporting and advocating for uh, as by Black That's great. That's great. The website, again, is byblack365.com. Um, that's the same name of the Facebook page. I just followed it myself. And as I tell people on Facebook, it's not enough to like a page. Once you like it, then you have to go back and click on the like button again and then check the box that says get notifications. All right. That's why a lot of stuff you like you don't see scrolling across your news feed is because you're not you haven't checked that box. Get notifications. I don't know why they made people take that extra step, but a lot of people don't know that. So if you follow by black three sixty five dot com on of on Facebook, when you like the page, Click on it, that like button one more time, a drop down menu will come, and then you just uh, check on get notifications. All right. A lot of people don't know that, Brother Williams, and I like to uh, mention that every opportunity. No, that's beautiful. I'm glad you mentioned that as well. That is something you easily forget when you're on Facebook and you don't go in there and confirm those notifications. So, uh, yes, please do that so you can get the news and the updates. And we try to put out a lot of great articles as well. I know that that's something that you try to do is talk on the topic that's really impacting our community. We just kind of be very specific. The topic that we talk about is usually centered around business and entrepreneurship. All right. Well, once y'all are ready to launch or another major development um, occurs, please contact Sister CC so we can bring you back, Mr. Williams. Absolutely. We'll do. And thank you for having me. You're welcome, sir. You have a good day. I do same. Thank you. All right. That was um, Mr. Delane Williams with BuyBlack365.com. I'm going to take a station identification break. We're only going to be on air for an hour. Uh, today, I have to, um, I don't have the appointment, but I have to pick up someone from an appointment. So I'm not going to be able to do two hours today. Um, I have not heard from Brother Dave uh, as of yet, uh, so I'm not sure if Tando will be on air at 6 o'clock, but um, we do have the Lotus Place coming on tonight at 10, 10 p.m. And then um, Race Treaty, Race Treaty Radio with uh, Brother Robin Benton, where they talk about these issues from the human rights uh, perspective. Now, I'm going to take a break, and then when I come back, 
I'm going to uh, jump on this latest story about Tremaine Wilburn. Um, again, Tremaine Wilburn is the man who was accused of shooting and killing a Memphis police officer. Uh, Memphis police officer Sean Bolton, a former combat Marine veteran, uh, did uh, a tour or two in Iraq. I have asked many questions about his background. I've asked the question about where is his toxicology test. Uh, we want to know if he was on any kind of drugs that will hype him up or or if he suffered from PTSD, if he was on any of those drugs to treat depression, which, you know, they use to treat PTSD, which uh, has some side effects that I think would uh, put somebody on death duty. If you want them drugs and it's causing them kind of aggressive uh, side effects and, and diminishing your mental capacity, then you shouldn't be out there on the street, you know, with a gun and a badge uh, trying to police the community. That's just common darn sense. But, you know, this system was not built on common sense. It was built on slavery. So anyway, uh, we will talk about that on the other side and you know if you got anything to uh offer please give us a call 641-715-3660 the participant code is 549032 pound of course you can hit star six and one to comment on air that uh, uh signal me that you want to comment so stay tuned we will be right back on the other side Oh, well, baby, it's complicated, but I'm going to tell you a story. And here we go. What happened to the ending? It seems that it's turned Funny game till somebody gets hurt. You had hunger pain, so we had to get work. So now it's just work, and it's working the nerve. What was once precious cargo kicked to the curb. We didn't choose commitment, we chose to flirt. And even though we separated, we love the birth. But what is worth? Really should think about it, it was just lust. When I think harder, I never truly imagine it. Spending life for the long haul and such and such. And at the time, it was such a rush, seeing it for touch. As if someone said, Break a leg, I needed a crutch. 
Now it's obvious it was really two bodies that connected without being connected to God's promises. I was so out of touch with the consequences. Now I live in a constant state, numbing my senses. I try to put a positive spin on my circumstances. Truth be told, I would tell you to wait for true romance. Man, no wedding, no home. Two parents better than one, that's real true. Not to mention the black families no longer trending. To the point where baby mamas and daddies are winning. And the devil's grinning. They say we sleep in the bed that we made. And under the cloak of covers, kids in the play. And that's when it gets complicated. But I'm still glad you made it. And for you, I continue to push to this day. And everybody asks me how I'm looking so happy. Without a partner involved, a traditional family. I tell them, it takes a village to raise a child. Until the village gets the message, I'm living the here and now. And I'm fighting back proud. Black Talk Radio Network. For live programming schedules, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. And welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. Sitting in on this broadcast from behind these enemy lines in North Carolina. Uh, that was speech uh, featuring Karma. I'm going to fight back. Um, we got to support, speaking of uh, supporting black businesses, we got to support our black artists that are putting out message music that's what i call music with a positive message or a message to make you think uh speech y'all may know him from arrested development that group they had you know i think they won some grammys uh if i'm not mistaken and he's been a guest several times on on the program to discuss politics so he is a brother with some depth to him and you know uh he is concerned about the issues that are going on in the black community and you may have noticed that you know uh this sort of music is not being played on your fm terrestrial corporate radio stations know what you're going to get is songs about you know, uh, I'm in love with the cocoa and selling dope and, and, you know, misogyny and we, I don't have to tell y'all, y'all know. And so, yeah, I, and I, that's by design. That is by design. That is not a mistake. You know, you're not going to hear that on your radio. All right. So that's why we have the internet. Um, and we can support these black artists who are putting out message music. It's imperative that we support them because like Malcolm X said, media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. It controls the minds of the masses. And that's all media. That's all forms of media, whether it's print, uh, whether it's television. It's all media. 
okay? And it controls people's minds. Uh, you can believe that, um, you can not believe that that's the truth, but it is the truth. That's the truth, man. Uh, they spend a whole lot of money doing research on media propaganda, whether it's because they want to sell you something or because they want to uh, sell you on patriotism to a corrupt nation. You know, they do. They spend a lot of money and spend a lot of time on studying propaganda. All right. So let me before I go into this story about Brother Tremaine Wilburn, um, who said that he was in fear for his life when this cop started manhandling him when uh, the cop was investigating a car that was double parked. And, of course, the police are coming to say that he stumbled upon a drug deal, even though it was like, what, only a gram or so that they said. But I'm not accepting that as true. He ain't charged with with uh, dealing drugs. And the person that was in the car with him um, apparently went to the police or whatever. They ain't charged him with drug dealing. So or, or you know, being involved in a drug tran illegal drug transaction. So I don't even want to hear that. He ain't charged with it. So. Uh, I don't want to hear that. All right. And so anyway, this cop, you know, from what he, uh, Mr. Wilburn's sister said, snatched uh, Mr. Wilburn out the car, was manhandling him and whatnot. And he became fearful and, you know, that the cop was giving him conflicting commands, uh, telling him to raise his arms above his head when the cop is restraining his arm arms behind his back. And so from that point, a struggle ensued, and Mr. Wilburn said he was forced to uh, defend his life by taking his police officer's life. Now, I don't relish in the death of anyone, but, um, you know, people are being killed every day on ba in Battlefield America out there, you know. And unfortunately, a lot of the killers are cops gunning down unarmed people. And so, yeah, but before I get into that, this is in Memphis. Now, I don't know if y'all saw the photo of Minister Louis Farrakhan recent visit to uh, Memphis. I don't know what he was in Memphis to do to speak at some events or whatnot. But um, he posted or his web team posted a video of him, excuse me, a picture of him meeting with and, and uh, praying with the police, thanking them for, you know, providing him with a motorcade and, and all this and that. And because I have, you know, worked with people on Black Talk Radio, uh, they don't have a program anymore because they're doing uh, other things and they are not able to do it anymore. Well, Black Autonomy Federation is based in uh, Memphis. They have chapters around the country, and I think they even got a chapter in the U.K. But um, they are based in Memphis. Uh, Brother Lorenzo Camboa Irvin and his wife, Sister Jonina um, Ebron Irvin, uh, both of them are veterans of the original Black Panther Party, and so now they are running the Black Autonomy Federation, and they live in Memphis. And, and when they were doing their program here on the Black Talk Radio Network, um, they would talk about the brutality of the Memphis police, and they would say the black black cops are just as bad as the white cops. And there was a rally, a KKK rally in 2013, I believe it was. I think they go there every year. This is where also they have the uh, big $5 million bronze statue to Nathan Bedford, where he's buried in a Memphis City park. And the uh, Memphis City Council just recently 
uh, voted to have his bones and the bones of his wife removed from public property and to remove that that uh, uh, monument to white supremacy. And so every year, white supremacists from all over the nation would flock to uh, or pilgrim, go on a pilgrimage to Memphis. They go there. And so, you know, um, of course, obviously, people are going to want to express their First Amendment rights in protests and stage counter rallies and counter protests. But um, I, and I've seen the photos. All you have to do is Google uh, Memphis Klan rally. And then you will see all of the police in their military gear and their riot gear and whatnot and how they stuck the people in cages. I mean, they literally built cages and that was way up the street from where the Klan rally was being held on the, on, uh, I think it was either the, um, um, courthouse, um, stairs or somewhere like it was a public building. It might have been city hall. I'm not sure, but anyway, they gonna force the protesters into this area way down the street out of sight of these uh racist white supremacist clan members and you know pointing guns at the protesters they had snipers on the roofs of course they had dogs and whatnot and i mean it's just it's just pitiful man it's just pitiful and so again that's why i say man there are no good cops a cop's job is not to protect and serve the public and the Supreme Court recently had a ruling to say that's not their job. Their job is not to protect and serve like as written on the side of their police cars. And we keep hearing that stated over and over about them, you know, protecting and serving the citizens of the United. No, no, no. Their job, according to the Supreme Court, is to enforce laws, not to protect and serve the citizens, but to enforce laws, to enforce Laws that's going to put people in the 21st century slavery and human trafficking. And so that's why, you know, I posted the photo of Minister Farrakhan and I was asking questions, you know, again, you know, and I know I know the following that Minister Farrakhan has. And, you know, and, you know, that doesn't deter me. Nobody is above criticism. Um, I always try to be respectful. Um, I don't disrespect people. Um, I do disrespect racists, but, you know, in terms of uh, people in our community, I don't disrespect them, even though I have a, a point of disagreement with them, you know, and I'm being accused of being disrespectful to the minister simply because I'm asking the question, uh, you know, after he met with them cops, did he go meet with Tremaine Wilburn? Did he go pray with him? Did he go pray with Tremaine Wilburn's family? You know? And and so because you talking about some justice or else and you want people to come to Washington, D.C. for, you know, uh, uh, anniversary of the Million Man March and whatnot. And then you're calling for 10,000 soldiers, fearless soldiers and, and who ain't afraid to die to confront this system, you know, of racism and white supremacy and police terrorism. So, you know, that photo right there raises some questions. Now, if you was going to pray with the police and all that and thank them for, you know, giving you a motorcade and whatnot, I would not have posted that to the web. I wouldn't have posted that to the Internet. I would have kept that private. All right. But I'm glad it was posted. I'm glad it was posted because it raises questions. 
It raises questions and we are supposed to ask questions. If a person is above being asked questions, then that's not a person that, you know, I'm going to uh, pay a whole lot of attention to what they say. You know, and I'm just thinking of, of of the people that I have held in high esteem over the years, like Malcolm X, uh, Huey Newton, Bobby Seale, all the brothers and sisters with the Black Panther Party for self-defense. And, you know, e even the ones that's out there struggling today, like I mentioned, Black Autonomy Federation. These are elders and they still involved in the struggle. All right. And and so I, I can imagine, you know, what would it look like? With Malcolm X, you know, I, I can't imagine Malcolm X praying and holding hands with police, the enemy. As much as he spoke out against police brutality and how he spoke on, you know, that we have a right to defend ourselves against anyone, including a cop, you know. And so I just can't imagine that uh, uh Brother Minister Malcolm X would have been consorting with police like that, you know. And there is a, a audio recording that he had made that I only came, became aware of this year. Somebody posted it to YouTube where the FBI had visited him at his home and was trying to get him to become a snitch. And he was recording them. And and he was not going to be no sellout. He wasn't going to be no snitch. He was not going to be no partners with the U.S. government or, or their enforcers. Okay. So, you know, that raises some questions. And then people want to accuse me of, of, of promoting um, disunity. Look, that is a myth. There is never going to be 100% unity. All right. There has never been 100 percent unity. All right. Every time there has been any kind of rebellion or mass movement or revolution, the majority of the people who were being oppressed did not even participate in those struggles. So you're never going to get 100 percent unity. What you can work to do is to unify with those who share your same values, your principle uh, principles and your philosophies but again i'm just simply asking the question you know how does that look how does that look if you're opposed to police brutality and and you're saying that the system is corrupt and and you know these are the enforcers of racism white supremacy that's not a good look when you're praying with white and black cops and, and like that and like i said the white cops and the black cops are are in a brotherhood up there in memphis and and according to people who live in Memphis, held the black cops just as bad as the white cop. And so I'ma be I'ma be real with you. My whole intention of posting that picture along with the picture of Mr. Wilburn, alright, was to what because I knew. I knew that people was gonna it was gonna spark controversy. I knew that people was gonna be coming out the woodwork and, and saying this or that and whatnot, even including one of my own cousins. I had to ban my own cousin. He's in the nation of Islam and he coming on my page and, and he spitting all of this religious uh crap that I don't even subscribe to, you know, and, and accusing people of being disrespectful. I'm like, man, get go somewhere with that. Go somewhere with that. I ain't trying to hear that. I'm asking questions. How does this look? How does it look? The optics of that photo does not look good to the masses of people out here struggling against these 
these police, these police terrorists. And then somebody was like, you know, well, he needed a police uh, 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 escort. Why he need a police escort? What happened to the fruit of Islam? Don't they got their own security team? What about doing for self? I thought, you know, Nation of Islam was big on black autonomy and all of that. You know, and then I got confused about seeing all these white Scientologists pictures of them up in the temple. So, you know, I'm not in the Nation of Islam or, or anything like that. I quit subscribing to organized religion probably about 20 years ago. Doesn't mean I'm not a spiritual person. Doesn't mean I don't pray. Doesn't mean I don't I don't study, you know, spiritual things. But what it means is, is that I am not tied to any kind of organized religion and I don't blindly follow any cult or personality. All right. That is what has gotten people in, in, in a lot of trouble in the past. That's all President Obama is really a cult of personality. So I knew that um, that was going to cause some controversy, and I'm glad it did. I'm glad it did because now those people who had not heard of Mr. Trayvon, Trayvon uh, Will Burns' case, now they know. Now they know. So you know, I, I try to be I try to be strategic in my uh, use of propaganda. So let's jump to this story about Mr. Uh, Tremaine Wilburn, he was in he was in court uh, just yesterday, just yesterday. And remember, I was saying that I had some concerns about a public defender, um, you know, because they are so overworked. They are so underfunded. And, you know, they they are just a concern, you know, and a lot of times they try to get people to plead out. Well, that does not seem to be the case. Mr. Tremaine Wilburn might have got lucky and got a uh, uh, an attorney who's trying to make a name for herself. And it seems to me that she is going all out because the system is calling her out. And so let me share this story with you. This is from MyFoxMemphis.com. I hate sharing stuff from Fox News, but hey, if that's the only source I can get, then I have to go with it and then decode whatever it is that they're saying. So. Uh, this is a uh, um, Fox 13 report from yesterday from Mr. Wilburn's appearance. In Have court. you ever been driving down the road and seen Give this from the car in front of second. Let me uh, mute that. Of course, you know, it's ad playing. So uh, it's only about a few more seconds. And let's listen to this report again. This is a uh, Fox out of Memphis. An accused cop killer was in court today fighting over evidence at issue. Does the man accused of killing Officer Sean Bolton have access to things like video, audio, or personnel records for his trial? We have new video from today of Tremaine Wilburn in court at a motions hearing where prosecutors accused Wilburn's attorneys of going behind the court's back. The judge agreed. So to say, we're going to throw this fishing reel out here and hope we'll reel something back in. The Public Defender's Office needs to have some articulable basis for issuing a subpoena to this case, other than in hopes of you'll find something. Today, the judge shot down Wilburn's attempt to get medical examiner records because they aren't ready yet, but she also ordered the state to preserve any audio, personnel files, and police-generated video if there is any to be had. 
A police department representative today couldn't confirm if any video exists of the night that Officer Bolton was shot. We were told last week by an MPD spokesperson that Officer Bolton was not wearing a body camera and his car did not have a dash cam. So that that was the We've report. We've been friends for a long and remember, I was asking those questions. Where is the dash cam video? Where, and so why didn't he turn on his dash cam video? Now, you doing an official traffic stop, that's supposed to come on automatically, right? It's supposed to come on automatically. You just heard he wasn't wearing a body camera. And that's something I call for early. If you want me to quit speculating about uh, Mr. Wilburn's innocence, y'all want to say that he gunned down this man, ambushed him basically, gunned him down in cold blood and whatnot. Show us the video. Otherwise, I don't believe nothing you have to say. I don't, I, I'm not buying what you have to say. And, you know, that was a black judge right there and, you know, uh, chastising Mr. Wilburn's uh, defense team. And they were right to ask to subpoena those things. If they're not ready, they're not ready. And then, damn, how long do it take? How long do it take? I mean, how long did it take for us to find out that Tra uh, 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 excuse me, uh, Trayvon Martin had marijuana in his system how anytime any of these victims are killed by police within 24 to 48 hours it seems that they're already coming out with the toxicology report so what's going on what's taking so long with getting this cop's toxicology report huh what's going on with that so Again, this is why I say, you know, we cannot look to be, there's never going to be 100% black unity. Because we got black people who are bought into this system, they work for this system, they depend on this system, and they sucking from the tit of the system, and they ain't trying to overthrow this system. They ain't trying to end this system of injustice. Because they making money off of it, man. They depend on it to pay their mortgage, to pay their car notes, and whatever. All right. So that's why I say you can miss me with that black unity stuff. I'm only trying to look to unify with people that I identify with in this revolutionary struggle. I ain't trying to be friends with the cops. I ain't trying to shake their hands and pray with them and all that stuff. No, I'm not trying to do that because no man can serve two masters. You either going to be, you know, for the people or you're going to be for the police. There's no straddling the fence. There's no being lukewarm and, and all of that. No. You either for or you against. Ain't no riding the fence. So, you know, they y'all can miss me with that stuff about these good cops and like my cousin. Now, my cousin got set up on drug charges up there in New York uh, uh, City for illegal. First, they did an illegal search on his car. Because he didn't give him permission. Then they planted a dime bag of weed in his car. But oh, today when I asked a question about Mr. Uh, Farrakhan meeting with these Memphis cops, oh, all of a sudden, you know, he defending cops. This is my own blood, right? This is my own first cousin. This ain't no second, third cousin. This is my first cousin. And then he want to go into all of this stuff about the righteous and, and, and miss me with that, man. Miss me with that. I ain't trying to hear it. We got a caller. Let me go to this caller. Area code 973. Thank you for calling in. Go ahead uh, with your questions or comments. 
Good afternoon, Mr. Reed. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, ma'am. I can. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sometimes the things you say you make me laugh. Anyway, um, it's not funny, but it's just the metaphors that you use there that are kind of funny. But anyway, what I want to say with reference to um, the Farrakhan case, sir, you are entitled to your opinion. And everybody, as you know, can respectfully disagree. You know, but you still get along. You know what I mean? was your opinion you didn't feel like it was a good look or or whatever you are uh, entitled to your opinion i don't understand why people kind of you know get all all upset i mean but what i want to say with respect to that is that i think that minister farrakhan is just playing a game i don't think he's on the side of any police he's got a uh he's got a um 10 i think it's 10 10 11 10 10 15 you know justice or or else coming up and i think he's just doing it to the side because I, I i mean if you really uh you know listen to a lot of his tapes and how he talks about police i think he was just being courteous i i really don't think that you know i i think he's just being extremely codified i don't think that he is on any side of any police sir i, I just don't do i think people i mean you know you have once said you can smile at a person at a person but you can just turn around and stab him right in the back, you know? So I, I, I think he just did that for facade. I just don't think that at all. So that that's just, just how I feel. And I'm glad bringing this um this case about Mr. Wilburn. It's a good thing, like you said, it's a good thing getting getting him more publicity with respect to that. So that, that's my take on it, um, Mr. Ree. I just don't think that uh, he's really on any side of the police. I think he's just being codified and smiling in their faces and, he, I mean, many times he talked about the police. It wasn't any good thought. It wasn't good. So I don't know if he, I don't believe he just flipped the script. I think he's just trying to make everything, whatever. I mean, he's just being nice. They gave him a motorcade. He thanked him. I don't think he's, he, he's there. And I, I just don't feel that. I, I just don't. Right. So that's my take, sir. And I thank you so much for you giving me the opportunity to, uh, Right. Right. Well, here here's here's my my um my respectful rebuttal um to to that. I understand that, but like I said, you shouldn't publicize that. Your web team shouldn't have put that out on the internet, on Facebook, on Instagram because of the optics of it. Now, it was just and, and you're a regular listener to this program. It wasn't that long ago where I was talking about Minister Farrakhan's uh, uh, speech where he was calling for the 10,000 soldiers, you know, that ain't afraid to die and all this and that. And so then, you know, here weeks later, here you're seen with, you know, praying with the enemy. The optics of that does not look good to the masses is what I'm saying. Now, to a codified person, a person who may be, you know, uh, more intellectually astute, uh, to different tactics and whatnot, then, you know, that's fine. They, they might can parse that out. But to the masses of the young people that's out there in the streets right now, that's been out there since what, August, when Mike Brown got shot down, that the optics of it just doesn't look good to me, you know. And, and again, if you preach black autonomy, why do you need a police motorcade? Well, somebody said in response to me that, well, you know, uh, we needed to get to this venue or that venue. And I'm like, wait a minute, brother. I'm like, celebrities do, celebrities travel all over this country and go to different venues. And when I don't see them with no police motorcades, I'm talking about the optics of it. And then the Memphis police, they are some of the most notorious police in the nation for killing black people. 
And so, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, I understand by being codified, I wouldn't have put that out there. And the message that they put out there with that was that Minister Farrakhan receives the police at his hotel to thank them for the motorcade. I wouldn't have done it. I w- my question to you is, my rebuttal would be, if if, it, if he put it out there on his website, somebody else would have picked it up anyway, Mr. Reed. They would have probably preferenced it differently. I, he's, I'm going to definitely you know, do my due diligence and look that information up. But um, even if he did not put it out there, it would have been put out. Think about this, too, Mr. Reed. If he didn't put it out there, then they might say, what is Mr. Farrakhan hiding? Why would Fox News put it out there and just spin the whole thing? So I think he was, I think he put it out there first to let people know what, what it was. Because had he not put it out there, the question would have been, well, why didn't he let us know that he, what is, is there something secretive going on? So he did, so that's how I look at it. I can, we can also look at it as what if it got leaked by the police? What are they trying to say? How's that going to look? Now, what if the police put it out there and say, hey, we met with Minister Farrakhan today. What do you think that's going to say to the people that's in Memphis that's being brutalized by these police? How's that going to look to them? You know, and again, I question even employing. I don't know if the the city of Memphis gave him a free motorcade or if he paid for the motorcade. But my thing, my thing is, is I'm not trying to uh, partner with the police, period. I don't want them. Just like when I caught that white boy behind the church uh, last week who said he was trying to hide his truck from his drunk wife. I didn't call the police on him. I made him leave. I don't want any kind of contact with the police whatsoever if it can be avoided. Now, if I had to shoot somebody and and had to call him to come pick up his dead body, then, yeah, you know, I'll call the police. But I'm trying I'm not trying to partner with the police. I see the police as the enemy. I don't think that there are any good cops out there. Without cops, we wouldn't have mass incarceration, modern slavery. So that's the way I'm looking at it is is the optics look bad they look really bad but you know also it's not gonna with with news stories you know there it's almost like you're in hollywood they say you're as good as your last that that optic may be there but he can always change it if he comes out and explain why he did what he did and that's why i'm putting the question out there sister all i'm asking for is an explanation what's going on here because it looks bad Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate it, okay? Thank you. Anytime, anytime, sis, anytime, anytime. So uh, let me see. Let me take this call from 9110. Uh, please go ahead with your question or comment. Uh, is that me? Yes, it is, sir. Thank you. Oh, hey, how you doing? I've, I've been listening to you now for two or three months. I really enjoy your show. Thank you. I'm all over. But there's a couple of things that struck me. First of all was the TV the TV coverage, and they, uh, the first thing out of their mouth was that uh, this man, Wilburn, is, is a cop killer. Mm-hmm. They've already convicted him, in a sense, uh, in the way that they're trying to say that he's sort of like really guilty without actually being, being proven anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know that carries a lot of weight. The TV does in the media, so mm-hmm. that's the first thing I noticed. The second thing is that uh, uh, you mentioned that Minister Farrakhan did not meet with uh, with the, the brother Wilbur, and uh, 
and don't know why. And uh, he certainly, if he didn't meet with him, he certainly didn't have a photo out with him. But uh, so, why? Is any explanation as to why he didn't meet with any of the, the fellow or his or his family or anybody like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's all I had to say about it. Oh, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, the media does um, play a huge role in poisoning the jury pool. Um, I don't know about some of you listeners, but like at the local convenience stores that that's around this area, they got like this little dollar uh, publication called the Slammer. It's called the Slammer and it has everybody's mug shot in it that uh has been arrested that day and one of my cousins even buy it i was like man why are you buying that garbage i mean what you just want to see who got locked up if you know anybody they got locked up i was like man that's engaging in gossip man don't waste your money on that and and the whole intent of that is to plant implant in people's minds of these people's guilt before they've even had a trial before they've even picked a jury and and most of these juries they jurors i should say They'll be, they'll lie when they say, oh, I ain't seen nothing about this case. I ain't seen no media coverage. And, you know, I, I don't buy the newspaper. I don't do this. I don't watch television. They be lying. They be lying. And, and I feel like if you're trying to pro- provide someone with a, a, um, I gotta find another word. Uh, if you're trying to provide someone with an objective, impartial jury, then, you know, the media should be prohibited from blowing up these cases like they do because it poisons the potential jury pool one way or the other. And so he's certainly right in his observation, like here's Fox News headline, accused cop killer in court, you know. So and then saying that Tremaine Wilburn's attorneys are fishing for evidence. No, they ain't fishing for evidence. They doing their job. They're asking for where is the toxicology report for this dead cop. Just like they always have one ready for when a a person is killed by a cop to see if they've been on any drugs. Well, what drugs was this cop possibly on? So I feel like this this public defense team is doing an excellent job thus far. They're being aggressive. Let me share some um some of this article um let me see lawyers argue argued over whether defense attorneys should have access to possible video or personnel files that's something i mentioned in the past you know has this cop had any complaints of brutality filed against him in the past uh prosecutors accused will burns attorneys of going behind the court's back to file subpoenas for the record don't you got to file a subpoena through the court so how are you going uh behind the court's back? You got to file a subpoena, right? You got that's through the court system. See, so they playing games here. They're playing games here. They already they already demonizing Mr. Wilbur. So now they're gonna demonize his defense team. Any potential jurors that see this, oh, these these defense attorneys, oh, they just fishing. They ain't got no evidence and all this and that. You know? And so, you know, this judge said it's too early in the process for defense attorneys to have access to these those materials. What I mean, where's that written? Where's that written? If the if the records are there, how come they can't subpoena them? How is this too early in the process? So and then she says she also shot down an attempt to get the medical examiner records saying they ain't ready yet. Well, what's taking them so long? What's taking them so long? 
Now, uh, going back to Minister Farrakhan on why he didn't meet with, with the family or whatnot. See, I asked the question. So it's up to, it's up to other people. Nobody said, well, Mr. Farrakhan didn't know about his case. He didn't hear about it. You know, he don't watch move, he don't watch television 24 7. He don't live in Memphis. And that would be an acceptable answer to me. You know, well, now you know. Now you know. Here's Mr. Wilburn. He needs assistance. He needs people to publicize his case. He wanted them, he might have been one of them 10,000 fearless soldiers out there that you calling for that ain't afraid to die. You know, and, and again, if this dude had, I don't defend murderers, but the evidence that I've seen thus far and listening to his sister describe what happened, I believe he is, it's totally plausible to believe that this man defended his life. He was in fear for his life. Anybody, black woman, man or child living in the United States should be in fear for their life anytime they interact with one of these police terrorists because, I mean, the statistics are there. Killedbypolice.net. Thus far, let's pull up killedbypolice.net. Killedbypolice.net. Yes, you are. Uh, does he have a uh, legal defense fund or anything set up? They tried to set up one online uh, on GoFundMe, uh, the website that raised over a million dollars for uh, Darren Wilson, who killed uh, Michael Brown. When they set it up for Tremaine Wilburn, they shut it down. Right. They shut it down, right? Within a couple of days, it was shut down. Who, who shut it down? GoFundMe, the people that run the platform. Are they the only ones that run that type of thing? Um, They may not be. I think there is another one, but I wouldn't suggest. They make money off of it. They're going to get a percentage of any other money raised, and so... I don't know. I don't know if that's the route to go. Dominated. Yes, it's white owned. Yes. Well, we we don't have a black organization that can do a very similar thing. That's what that's what I'm getting at, my brother. That's what I'm getting at. I mean, why why we got to pay the white man for that? And then he gets all the commission and all, and we don't. It, it very little goes toward the case anyway. But we can do our. Why, why are we depending on the on the enemy uh, to help fund something that that, uh, that they're against anyway? Right. So uh, I haven't been able to get um, the contact information of his sister or any of his other family members. Uh, but somebody posted the name when I posted that picture of, of Farrakhan uh, next to his picture. Somebody posted the name of his defense attorney. But again, this is a public defender and and they probably not going to share too much information or, or whatnot in terms of the family if they think that we're trying to replace them. And and so, you know, I don't know, but I think the family should set up a bank account, a legal defense fund bank account for uh, Mr. Wilburn. And then with that, then they could like get PayPal or something or at least give an address to where people can send checks or money orders to so contribute. They, the family doesn't have anyone that can help direct them on, uh, instruct them on how to do this or do it for them or from from this aspect of uh, you know the procedures you take to get something in place so that funds can go to that cause. 
I don't see that they are getting any assistance. And, and of course, brother, I'm in North Carolina. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in North Carolina too. Yeah, <laughs> I know some people in Memphis and whatnot. Um, but um, they haven't said anything. And I put I put out what I put out there for them too. For them too, yeah. I said nobody seems to be providing this brother and his family any kind of assistance. I said nobody, not just Minister Farrakhan, no one. It's like we just want to forget this brother. You know, we want to yeah, distance well, that's ourselves. The same problem that I have with what happened with Sarah Bland. I mean, I know what happened to her later on that evening. But as soon as Saturday morning came, she met with that magistrate. He set that bail, and her bond was X number of dollars. She should have been out of there within an hour. And her family dropped the ball on that. Because for $500, Don, you can, I mean, that, that shouldn't have been no problem whatsoever for anybody, a family, a, 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 her church, uh, whoever the hell they got representing them should have taken the initiative to get that woman out of there before before noon. I mean, she should have been out of there and gone for a little old $500 bail. You don't even have to go anywhere. You can do bonding over the phone. Mm-hmm. And then for $500, and she had to sit there all day until Sunday, I thought that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen black people do in my life. And the family, they're grieving about it. And then, and then she did because they didn't do anything. And then that Negro they had on TV that on MSNBC that was talking about, oh, we were talking about passing the hat for $500? Come on, man. Oh, anyway, that's another subject. But, that's, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. All right. So now we got this same situation here with somebody who's actually taking some action in his defense, and we can't even get something set up that uh, we can get donations to help with his fund. We ain't got no black attorneys nowhere that want to take this thing on and then mm-hmm. set up a fund for him and direct i mean we we don't are we that ridiculously uh undereducated that we don't even know how to do this mm-hmm. uh, all these professional attorneys and legal scholars that we're supposed to have and we can't even get this man uh set up where he can he can be defended even though i know he's got some misdemeanor crimes and whatever but this is some serious stuff here and uh, uh, and and it said it carries a lot of weight because all of us are subject to, as black folks, are subject to being accosted by these stupid cops. And yet, if we can't take some action at some point to defend ourselves, then there's something wrong with the whole system anyway. They, they expect mm-hmm. us to just sit back and do nothing. Seven hundred and eighty-one you know, people and shot down or whatever. And and if you can't blow one of them away, then what good is it? Right, right. And and you know we had a, a guest on, Mr. Paul Whaley. Um, I think that was last week. Mr. Whaley had joined us and on, and we were talking about you know why don't we have like a national legal defense fund? You know, with staff, with attorneys for cases exactly like this, because I'm with you, brother, that I feel like this is one of those cases that could set a precedence. Now, I've been looking at Tennessee's stand your ground law, but guess what it has? It has an exception in it involving cops. You can stand your ground against everybody else, but if a cop violates you, you can't stand your ground against them. So I would even challenge that. I would even make that a part of my defense and challenge this exception for cops. Who's to say? That's like saying they above the law. 
that they can just violate us and brutalize us. And there is at least one state, the state of Indiana, passed a law that that includes public servants that if they violating your rights, your constitutional rights, your civil rights and putting your life in danger, that you can use deadly force against them. That's the law in Indiana. So again, I'm with you, brother. This is a this is a very important case. I'm looking at it in a broad scheme of things. I'm not looking at it just in a narrow focus of one individual, Mr. Wilburn, but this has wider applications for the rest of us. And I feel like it's very important. And I'm like, where where are where the Benjamin Crumps at? Where are all these attorneys that come out the woodwork when we killed by police to represent the family so they can get a piece of the settlement money? Well, where are they now? Yeah. And the other, the other point I wanted to make is you're talking about the toxicology, toxicology report on this fellow. Uh, is it, is it something, is it normal for the uh, Memphis cops or any cop in any, any jurisdiction? Do they have random, uh, 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 drug tests like we do in, in normal uh, jobs, things when we go for all these other businesses and all where they have no, I mean, a man is allowed to carry a, a weapon uh, of destruction and, and do they have uh, random drug testing for these cops anyway? I mean, is that, is, do they do that? I'm, I'm just curious. Do I am. Um, I, do or not or, I, I or don't know. Anywhere in the country. Or, or have they outlawed it through their little unions that they have? I was just about know, to say that they have a lot of power them. through these unions that, that prevent them from being, you know, going through the same process a regular person would go through. Like, for example, they don't have to meet in some of these jurisdictions. They don't have to meet, uh, speak to the, uh, uh, what do they call it? The internal police or, uh, what, what is that called? In, um, I'm about to say internal revenue, but the cops that investigate the cops, that's what I'm, I'm talking about, that yeah. agency. Um, they don't even have to talk to them for 48 hours. They give them two days to get their story straight. Those are some of the things in place. In terms of drug testing, I have long talked about it. I have never seen anything to confirm uh, either way, whether they're drug tested or not drug tested, but they should not only be drug tested for the same drugs. You know, they test people for cannabis. They test people for cocaine. They need to be testing these cops for steroids because a lot of them is on steroids. They want to get yeah. big and buffed up and, and whatnot, and they take them steroids. I've seen a number of stories where steroid rings have involved cops. Right. Well, that, and, and I, I think that could be some of the problem too. I mean, they're just out of their gourd. <laughs> you know, they just, yeah. just out there. Now, <laughs> and, this specific and, uh, cop besides, had, you know, just regular, the regular, uh, intensity of, of doing your job and, 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 and then you've got your home life and all the other stuff to have to deal with. I mean, life, life is very complicated for a lot of these folks, especially these young, young cops. And uh, I can, I can see where, uh, drug tests and things like that ought to be in place. Uh, either that or they, they give them a Barney fight with one bullet or they don't even need guns. Mm-hmm. I mean, until, I mean, I just can't understand why you give somebody a, a 17 rounds and then let them go out and, and it's just based on their ability to understand what's the situation. And you're not drug testing them. You're working them 12 hours a day sometimes and they're overworked. 
and underpaid and, and, and everything else. And yet they've got to go out and do a good day's job. And, and, and it's, 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 it's a tough thing. And I, you know, why do they feel so, and it's to do the same thing with our military, but you know, why do they, why, why, why is it more done from the federal perspective? They're going to give them all this armaments and tanks and all this crap that they don't need. But the thing that they do need is, uh, is help with their uh, problems. They need probably more pay. They need, uh, uh, so maybe some better working conditions, but they also need drug testing and mental health screening and some of this kind of stuff. Why, why don't they give them that? Uh, why why are, the, are the unions, do they control the police all over the country? Because, I mean, the shootings go all over the country. Yeah, they have a uh, national police union. I think the largest one is like 300,000 members, and they have a lot yeah. of political power. But you brought so up they the military. lobby, and, uh, yeah. and you got politicians just lining their pockets rather than trying to do anything about the situation. Right. But as long as they're killing black folks and black women, black people, uh, they're probably not going to change anything anyway because that's that's really the assignment. Yeah. This cop, uh, Sean Bolton, um, there again was not a whole lot of information. And again, I'm good. It's good to hear that while he has a public defender, it's a black woman and it looks like he has some other people, not just one person. And they seem to be very, being very aggressive in trying to provide for his defense. So that's a good sign right there. But one of the records, some of the records they ought to think about subpoena, um, uh, subpoena him from is his veterans uh, records because this cop was a marine he had he was combat infantry and he had been deployed to Iraq so there's a strong possibility that this guy got PTSD you know and he might be being treated for PTSD and and how, being, how long had he been on the force um he hadn't been on the, I think maybe five years but don't quote me on that don't quote me on that was but, he in the mili- Was he a military police or something? No, he was a combat veteran. I mean, he he was a, a, a um. I don't know what the Marine designation for it in the Army, Eleven Bravo. That's an infantry soldier, but he's he was infantry. Okay. Okay. So that raises the strong possibility that he suffers from PTSD. If a person been in a combat war zone and got PTSD, they definitely shouldn't be out here on these streets. If they being treated for PTSD or any kind of depression and on these drugs with these bad side effects, they shouldn't be out there on these streets with no badge or gun. These are just common sense things that are not being done. Right. Right. So. Um, I do have to get ready to wrap it up. I got, I, I, I'm a, uh, running a little late. I need to go pick up somebody from an appointment. Uh, let me check right quick. Um, no, we do not have Tando radio show coming on at six, but I just got confirmation, uh, from, uh, Sister Rose. Uh, uh, Lotus Place will be on at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern tonight. And I also heard from, uh, Brother who hosts rate uh r- excuse me race treaty y'all i'm so confused right now race treaty brother robin bitten and he will have on one of our elder uh attorneys uh sister randall 
will be coming on uh, tonight at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on Race Treaty. All right. With that said, I want to thank uh, both the callers for calling in and, and sharing their views with us. And no, we're not always going to see eye to eye, but we're supposed to ask questions and whatnot. And long as we stay respectful towards uh, each other, it shouldn't be a problem. People shouldn't be coming after me because I'm asking logical questions. All right. And so my cousin, I know he, I know he gonna call, he gonna call me and ask me why I banned him, and I might unban him, but I'm gonna tell him, man, cause you talking like you in a cult. You, you know, accusing me of being disrespectful when I'm just asking a question. I'm asking, then you wanna defend the police when you know the police ain't worth a damn. So, anyway. I hope that this does bring more attention to Mr. Wilburn's case because that was my intention. That was my main motivation to begin with, was to bring more attention to Mr. Tremaine Wilburn's case because it just seems like people have forgotten about him. I'm not even seeing his case mentioned in, in, in so-called black media. Everybody, because he killed a cop, oh, he like kryptonite now, you know. Yeah, we can rally for people that's been killed by police, but we ain't going to rally for people forced to kill a cop. Come on now. Where your heart at? Where your heart at? All right. With that said, uh, recognize the fact that we live behind enemy lines. Casualties are being created every day. I was just taking a look at killed by police as of August the 28th, and the day is not over. Since January the 1st, 2015, 781 people have been killed by police. They They are... Man, they're shooting for about a hundred people a month. And they're not just all black people. I want to make that clear. The media only focuses on black people because they know the white majority don't empathize with black victims. But if they showed all these white people getting gunned down by police, then that mass majority who's able to empathize with other white people would be out there in the streets themselves. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. Why don't these white victims of police violence and brutality get as much media attention as the black victims? Well, I just told you why. They ain't trying to set the, ma the millions upon millions, a hundred million or more white people. They ain't trying to turn them against the police. They want to keep them in full support of the police. So they not going to highlight these victims. Like Jeremy Hammond uh, down there in South Carolina. So you live on a battlefield. Casualties are being created every day. You need to develop situational awareness, battlefield awareness, so that you can decrease the likelihood that you will become a victim. You want to be codified in your interactions with police. You don't want to give up any of your rights. But you want to be codified as you express your rights. Because yelling and screaming or anything like that is just going to escalate the situation. And I know many of us, we get frustrated. I just had my daughters just got pulled the other day. My daughter, you know, she recorded it and she was getting frustrated with the cop. Who just kept on, kept on trying to say that they could get them to admit to having something that they didn't have. And then he was being disrespectful. And my daughter, they kind of like me. They don't take too much lip off of nobody out here in these streets. But you dealing with a person that's licensed to kill. 
So you just don't, you don't ask no questions. You don't, you don't say nothing to them. You told them no one time. That was it. Don't say nothing. They'll say I invoke my Fifth Amendment right to remain silent. So with that said, uh, we will be back on. I will be back on air Sunday night with an episode of Political Prisoner Radio. We don't focus enough on our political prisoners who are in prison because they been, they were out there battling this same system that um, these young people are out there battling today so make sure y'all tune in sunday night and actually live programming starts at seven o'clock p.m eastern time on sunday nights uh tomorrow night make sure you check out compensatory uh call in uh hosted by the cows that's at nine o'clock p.m eastern time so with that said i'm out people y'all be safe over this weekend to act on behalf of those who long for freedom and we must be a source of hope to the poor with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.